August 26, 2016, and I am recovering from long-term tilt. I'm Colin Detmar. And I'm Jesse Cox, and this is Bottle Crow, a Dota 2 podcast. Welcome back to the show, Jesse. Hey, how's it going? You know, it's, going. it's been better, it's... but it's been worse. <laughs> it's uh, It's been an interesting week. We've had a bunch of, of TI shuffle stuff with the pro scene. We've had, you know, Underlord released, and... Uh, and I'm finally starting to gain MMR again after hemorrhaging it for a couple of months. Yeah. You've had a little bit of better luck as far as as far as far ranked play. Yeah, I I'm see. doing good. Tell I, me about it. Um, so I think last time I was on the podcast, I was at like 20, uh, 2,700 or, or something, maybe 28. I don't remember. Um, and recently I just made it up to 3.3K, so I'm, I hit that. Congratulations. Yeah, I hit that 3K benchmark and it felt really good. Like Dota buff now shows my games in the high skill bracket. It's just like little little stuff like that. It feels really good. Mm-hmm. Excellent, man. Uh, yeah. I guess first of all, like, is have you had any like? Do you feel like there's been a, a perceptible change in the way your games play out now? Like, is it like oh, suddenly everyone is doing this, or like you see more like oh, people are picking balanced teams all of a sudden or something? Man, I think that like. That's a weird question because that kind of assumes that I'm winning games because I like to think that I, I'm winning my games because I'm playing better, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's that's like partially a confidence booster for me and also um, like propels me to do better in my future games. And I think the way I've been playing is different and it's been kind of honestly revolving around TI and kind of like the battle pass where... I've been more. I've been pretty focused on like watching pro games and, um, I, you know, taking notes on how different people play and how people that I want to play like have been playing, um, and kind of transferring that to my solo games where I try to t- take on more the role of the captain. You know, take on mm-hmm. the role of the person who kind of uh, corrals people into a cohesive team, and I think that that's really been really been like helping me out in the MMR climb. So don't you you don't feel like the the atmosphere around you has changed that much? Um not really, honestly. Uh I don't know. I maybe more people are also in the same boat as me that are, you know, people who are um people who are kind of caught up in that TI fever or like everything in the battle pass is kind of promoting like a maybe a more professional level of Dota, which is nice, but hmm. I mean, I like I said, like I think Moon Meander had uh, one of Moon Meander's famous YouTube videos is like him explaining, like him kind of giving MMR ladder climb tips, and part of it is just like if you if you if you want to be better, like if you want to rate like climb MMR, then you kind of have to make the assumption that you're already. Like you have to play better, and that includes like playing, playing the best on your team, or playing at that four or five k level. Um, even you know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. 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 And I think that's I think that's fair. I um, yeah. As I said, I took a nosedive in my MMR, and it. I mean, it sort of started because of bad luck, like mm-hmm. just a bunch of people like we'd get in positions where we had a, like a really great team composition left and all we needed was someone to pick a safe lane carry and the person that was hovering over Juggernaut at the last minute switched to Crystal Maiden and it's yeah. like, oh, our team is fucked. 
Um, and that happened several times, and it just, those ones, like, obviously those games aren't unwinnable, but I don't think of them as really being my fault. Yeah. There are parts of the game that were my fault, because there's always things you can improve on. Right. But the thing that was definitely my fault is that I let that put me on tilt, and I started playing in a way, like, I mostly tend to play a position four mm -hmm. um, in games. I'm, I'm willing to play anything else, but that tends to be what happens. And I started to play a position four more and more selfishly because I just started, like, I started to resent the people that were making these, like, clearly stupid choices yeah. for the team and being like, well, why the hell should I help you, right? And I didn't, like, it's, you know, it's around, like, the third time that you're sitting there dead because you died to protect your carry, and then your carry does the we need wards when there are four wards on the map, and you're just like, I just, I fucking had it with you. Yeah. Um, it's hard to recover from that. It is, and it, you know, it didn't do me any favors. And the thing, like, the thing that is making me finally start to recover, like, I've, I've played some, some, you know, position five games now where, where I'm playing just truly selfishly, but the thing that got me on the road to recovery was learning to play a good enchantress. Mm -hmm. um, because, like... That's weird. It's a, it's a really, like... It's a weird thing because, like, I can afford to get some items to help the team. Mostly what I need to do is I need to get smokes and I need to get a creep. And, like, by the way, this during this process I have learned how to do solo smoke rotations, which at sub-3k no one has any idea how to deal with. Yeah. Um, it's it's just been, it's really devastating. Um, I, think, I think that the 3k range of games, like, usually you can win just by getting a lot of kills early game and smoke is definitely an underutilized tool in that area. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know. It's fun. It is. And I, I feel like what it's, what it has done for me psychologically is sort of like it eased me into being a little more selfless of a player again. Cause yeah. it's like, Oh no, like I'm still ganking and fighting, but like, you know, I don't need to secure the last hit on this kill. I can let my carry get it. Yeah, and maybe I'll buy him some wards, and maybe I'll do this, you know, and just sort of like, it's okay, you can help these people, and they'll some of them at least will help you back, and it'll be okay. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm um, I'm slowly I'm slowly getting better. But honestly, you talked about the sort of the TI effect being that you saw a lot more people who were playing sort of with the like the will to win and play, you know, a little more intelligently. Yeah, I think and I so. Have, I have so, had the exact opposite experience. Okay. I have had a lot of people who were just like like teams full of people who were convinced they were all miracle, right? Yeah. Um and I like finally we're post TI and it's starting to get better. But like seriously, I had like the number of games I played during TI, like the whole the whole season that were nine carries and me the lone support in the entire match. Yeah, I mean I play I play support most of the time, and I think I feel like most, like, of the most of the time that I play support, most of those games I'm the lone support, mm -hmm. um, which is frustrating. But that's I don't know. I'm kind of that's kind of my comfort zone now that I've <laughs> played so many games in that position, and I'm like, I started feeling different about just having brown boots, swords, and TPs because. Like that's what I need to do, and I th and I think, like I've gone back, I watch my replays occasionally, and fantasy points is not a perfect representation of how well you're playing in a game, but it's kind of at least a good uh, 
indication of like you doing some of the things that you're supposed to do if, mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah and i usually have like pretty high fantasy points and that makes at least that you know that's not saying like oh i have the highest fantasy points in this game i, I am at a playing at a 5k level that's just saying that like okay in this game i at least did pretty good you know and that's mm -hmm. That's that's important to me in like moving past a loss, and I think you, it is super frustrating for you to, um, like you're playing a 2.8k level or you know, with 2.8k players, and you yeah, if you have a shit draft, if you have a super shitty draft, and then you play yourself at like a 4.5k MMR level, um, maybe you still can't win that game, but I like. I think it's really important to find ways to convince yourself that you did good, uh, that you played well anyways, and then use, like, kind of think about what you did well, and then bring that to your next game. Because maybe, maybe you lose a game, but maybe you play well enough that you learn something about, like, how to better play that how to play that hero and then you can maybe use that to win two games in the future it's just like little shit you, i mean it's not like perfect logic right it's not mm -hmm. always gonna work but you're still gonna like you still lose the game anyway so why not at least try and make some make yourself feel better about it totally and maybe and, and maybe that'll yeah. help you win games i don't know yeah, I feel like with the with the nine carries one support thing, specifically the thing that gets me is like it's just it's frankly it's a it's a personal problem with my play style. If you if I am playing a support and I am matched against at my MMR a skill a support of equal farm, I nearly always beat them because mm -hmm. I I don't know I that's just how it goes you know. I, but because like, you play it off, probably because you play that most of the time. And, that's true. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people play carry, and then, but like a lot of the people that you see play support in like a solo rank game are people who know that you're supposed to get, you know, usually play carry, but they see that there's no support, so they're like, oh, I should do this. But there's mm -hmm. people like you and me, or people. It's usually people who are a little bit more rational in the Dota community that like play support most of the time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. But the thing is, like, so if it's if it's support versus support, I tend to win that. But if it's support versus carry, even if it's under farmed carry, I yeah. tend to eat shit, and it just it gets yeah. Do you want to talk about really like how to play those games? Please. I think that would be interesting. Please, I would love to have some tips because it's just like I feel like, I mean, part of it obviously is just avoidance, right? Mm -hmm. But then that's a lot lack of map control, and you can't get vision up, and you can't you can't start to establish control. So, like, what is what is your strategy for playing as a support against too many carries? Uh, okay, so I'm looking at my Dota buff right now, um, mm -hmm. and if anybody's interested, my uh, Steam name is Pony P Zero N Y. Um, this is like the most recent Dazzle game I played from, uh, I think three or four days ago. Um, but I was on a team with Chaos Knight, Meepo, Shadow Fiend, and Marana, and the Marana. Um, roamed a bit but for the most part kind of shared uh cs with the um chaos knight so and you know they they went like the the flavor of the week kind of blank eggs marana so no wards and that kind of thing mm -hmm. um we so we had like i mean we had like natural synergy with the meepo and the chaos knight um and it was helpful for me to be able to keep the Shadow Fiend alive. 
um, in fights, but like I ended up with, I didn't even end up completing my match. This is a game that we lost. Um, it ended, it ended about thirty, it ended thirty-three minutes in. Uh, I didn't even finish my mech, um, but I did buy. Oh man, you know what? Actually, hold on. Uh, this is this is bad podcasting, but I'm gonna go back to a game that I know is a is a prime example. Um, and I got flamed a bit for not having any items, but I just wanna. Sorry about this. I just hmm. remembered this dope game that we still lost, but I had a lot of fun. I mean, that's to me that's a, that feels good that I had this game where we lost. I didn't do super well. Um, well, none of us did super well because we lost super hard. But I still feel good about it. Um, mm. Okay, so this is a game. This is the last game I played uh, as Rubik, um, and we actually had an Omni Knight on our team, um, but we had a Bloodseeker who insisted on going jungle. And I think that more than um, that is a plague at our MMR level two is that you'll have people who go Legion jungle or Bloodseeker jungle or, or bad junglers. I mean, they can jungle, but they don't have. They're not really presenting the team with much utility until they decide to come out, and then most of the time they're not communicating about when they're going to come out or what they're waiting for, etc. I mean, the thing that gets me, like Bloodseeker jungle, is a little is a little better, right? But like Legion Commander jungle is just bad. Like, yeah. and I say that because like you can take Legion literally anywhere else, and she will get farm way faster. She yeah. is a really slow jungler. I will say that there are situations in which it's viable, and I'll go on record saying that. But it, for the most part, like it, it just requires a lot of coordination um, in like popping out of the jungle and and helping get kills. And you do not have to wait for a duel, and you do not have to wait for your blink, and you can still do it. But mm-hmm. that takes like coordination, which a lot of people lack. So, yeah, I mean, anyways, a lot of people do the jungling thing because they because they don't want to do that. So. Yeah, they just they just want to like not test themselves against other people, which is weird because you're playing a five on five game. Anyways, this Omni decided to go carry and I, sh- and I show you not. That is what happened. He went, uh, Ar- uh, arcane boots, uh, S and Y pipe heart, and then Shiva's. And at oh. the end of the game, I had arcane boots and a blink. Um, but I had purchased, uh, 44 wards by the Oof. end. By the end of the game, this was a 50-minute game, so I had spent. I'm not going to do. I'm straight up not going to do that math. Um, but I had purchased and placed 44 wards, and Omni had purchased and placed zero wards. Uh, and like I played that game at the end, so I, at the end of the game when I watched the replay, um, I I had the highest fantasy points on my team, which again is like not. That's not saying I did the best on my team however that is saying that like while everybody else farmed and did whatever pretty much whatever they wanted to do um i was i like allowed that to happen um and it's kind of shitty that you so we're getting back to the the question of like how do you play in these games where you're the only support Mm -hmm. um you are you have to play like the best support possible like you have to in a game where um, you're five stacked and you're with, you're with your friends or in a game where you're playing the fucking grand finals at TI and you're playing support, you're still like the facilitator for your team. You're allowing your carry to farm and you're keeping them safe and you're like 
stacking the jungle or keeping people alive in other lanes. And it just means, in my opinion, that if you're the one support on your team um, in like a fucking 2.8k solo ranked match, that you just have to do that better. And I feel like even though I finished the game with Arcane Boots and a Blink as Rubik, like, I still played pretty good because the game lasted 56 minutes. We had a carry Omni Knight. We had a um, Bloodseeker that was dead. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times um, by the 15 minute mark. And I kept, and I kept it. I I have to believe that I played a good role, like a a large part in keeping this game, like going to almost an hour. And we did make a comeback. We brought the, um, we brought the advantage graph down past the um, the even mark, and it was a little bit in our favor. And then we got wiped, and then we lost. And it took like a matter of th- three minutes for us to lose the game, which is frustrating, but. I played well, so I'm okay with it. And I like talking about this game because, like, 44, 44 words is a lot of words to buy. It's a lot yeah. of money. Um, yeah, for sure. But you definitely have to, like, just laser focus in and, um, like, not tilt. And that's di- super... I'm, I say it like it's not difficult, but I'm, I'm, I'm aware it's super difficult. Like, I'll do stuff like, if I'm dead for more than 30 seconds, I'll... I have a foam roller, um, foam roller by my desk, and I'll like pull it out and roll my back out, or I tend to try not to alt tab just so, because I think it's a bad habit to not pay attention to the game. But I'll like roll my back out and kind of like think about what people are doing and adjust my play when I when I come back. And there are certainly games where I don't, like where I play poorly, and like just in case somebody wants to go, well, if you look at this game, you didn't do that, but like. If I'm playing at my best, usually I, I, I can make the um, mental effort to kind of step back and relax a little bit and think about what to do differently. Yeah, I think I think keeping that distance is, is really important and not something I'm I'm so good at. So there have been there have been times where I was more mindful of it, but mm-hmm. I think also if you're the only support in your team. I've started focusing a lot more on my, um, like my placement and positioning, um, mm-hmm. b- because in a game where you have a dedicated carry and a dedicated mid who are, who should have a net worth or like, at, maybe at least higher utility than some of the heroes on the other team, then you can kind of afford to be in fights and die. Um, mm-hmm. Because then, hopefully, you've you know you've casted your spells or done what done what you need to do, and then your carries can clean up. Um, but in a game where you're the only support, you can try and sacrifice <laughs> sacrifice the fucking carry Omni, <laughs> you know, like let him yeah. die, and then you do like as the Rubik, you wait to steal a uh, global silence or wait to steal. Um, Way to steal the whirling death from the timber saw, or uh, there's a fucking enigma in this game. So stay back and wait for that black hole. You don't have to be the person. You don't have to initiate with the lift. You don't have to be in there to do your um, the uh, his W, which I forget what it's called. Fade bolt. Fade bolt. You don't have to. You don't have to be in there doing that. You just stay back and let the carry Omni Knight die. Let the 
Let the Bloodseeker who has died literally seven times already. If they kill that guy, it's not going to be that much gold, and you still like, you are still there doing your thing, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. It. I think. Uh, who was it? Somebody who. So some video I watched a long time ago said that, um, and if somebody like Blitz or Purge said that ninety-five percent of, or something like that, some like nine out of ten. Um, times that you die in like the lower skill brackets are usually because you're out of position, mm-hmm. and yeah. So just take you know to keep that in mind. Totally. Um. So you were at TI six. I was there. This is my. It's was my second uh, international. I've never been to a TI. How was it? It's so bizarre. I think the first time I was there last. Uh, Last year for TI5 was, I kind of had that, it's incredible, it's like amazing how many people, like it is a sports arena, and I think that you see that, like you might see clips on the Twitch stream of like, of the arena and everybody in there, and Mm -hmm. you might be like, okay, it's just another sports arena, but until you're in there and like, you're like, holy shit, I'm watching Dota with like 5,000 people or however much it is, then Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty crazy. It was kind of so last year I kind of had that like um shock and awe factor about being there. And this year was a little bit more about just sitting there with my friends from high school and just watching some goddamn Dota. So that was that was really fun. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, yeah I can I don't know, there's something like TI is one of the like one of the I don't know. I'm trying to communicate this. And like the first time I watched a TI after watching, having watched some pro Dota where you couldn't hear the crowd. Mm-hmm. And then you, you like, you watch a TI and you see like, you know, like an unexpected pick in the draft mm-hmm. and you just hear the cl- crowd roar. <coughs> Jakiro. <clears throat> yeah. Like, that was an insane moment or pretty much any wings game. Wow. Yeah. The fact yeah. that you could be that loud about just a draft. I think that's, that makes me like Dota so much. It's it's kind of magic. It's it's just amazing to be surrounded Say by these it. people of such intense passion. It's magical. You said it about video games. I I did. I did. <laughs> I uh, I, I was recently interviewed by a gentleman who was working on his uh, thesis at Birkbeck University in London. Mm-hmm. He is doing mm-hmm. his thesis on Dota. He is interviewing some Dota community members, mm-hmm. and he contacted me. And apparently, of all the people he's interviewed so far, I am the most optimistic about the future of Dota. So that's a thing, I guess. I I, I love this game a lot. I, I, I want to keep playing it. Yeah, I mean, I love it too. I think, like, most video games have a lifespan, but for... And I used to watch a lot of StarCraft, and... Mm-hmm for me that the lifespan of that game or at least as like a viable kind of pro scene game i realize that there are a lot of people still playing professional starcraft 2 um but i can kind of remember that downward slope where it just kind of like people kind of just accepted oh this is going to be a south korean thing from now on mm-hmm. um but dota just feels so like healthy not for people because like it might not be that but as an organism like the game as this thing that's evolving and changing 
like it just feels like a healthy thing that's growing in in some in a good direction and ti was such a good example of that where like you have people i sat down next to this guy and he asked me so i don't remember what he asked me but we just started talking to him and he was from the ukraine and we just started talking about like not about the well a little bit about the ukraine but just about dota and i think that's awesome that you could just meet somebody from almost all the way around the world and talk about dota and like you i don't even need to say any i, I will if you want me to but i don't i don't feel like i need to say much about this the wings supporters because mm-hmm. that was insane the was like crazy the volume people like eg c deck last year was loud as fuck but wing like the wings supporters the people from it's pretty much anyone from china like as soon as um ehome was out it was clear that like okay now all the chinese people are like, okay wings now and any game that they played was like you know people would moo for uh moo on dc or usually the cheer for eg was just going usa usa but just hearing that entire chinese section just go wings 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 was like it it was so much louder than i think people got the feeling for um just by watching the stream i'm i'm sure and it's it's really like ti the other thing that makes ti6 such a good representation you mentioned starcraft and how at this point i mean like there are obviously there are some exceptions and i don't mean to to lessen them by saying this but it is at this point pretty much a a, a south korea thing right yep yep dota is going the opposite direction like this is the like there are more regions relevant now than have ever been yeah north american dota used to be a joke it's not anymore sea sea dota like southeast asia dota is becoming a serious deal some some of those teams got really far this ti like it's just getting bigger and bigger and it's it's amazing that being said like you don't they don't have to finish to be a big deal the fact that Fnatic and tnc like made it to top 10 is like they are now a big deal and that's so cool TNC, TNC took down OG. Yeah, and I was there's super, you know I was there's super some said about that by the way. Yeah, like this is one of the reasons you're allowed you're allowed to be on this podcast is because you are also an OG fanboy, because um, everyone here is. Um, God, like, should we make the transition? Should we talk about OG and and all that? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I love know. OG, and I. S- I still love OG because, okay, before we talk about specifically OG, um, I want to say that I'm a huge fan of, I'll start it off by saying I'm a huge fan of DC, and specifically I'm a huge huge fan of Misery now, um, and not necessarily because they made it to the Grand Finals, but because his interview after beating, um, after beating EG in that game, that was, like, maybe the best game. I think maybe Ehome EG was the best game of the Ehome EG was... But his interview after beating EG was so real and, like, emotional. And last year, EG won, and they and they were like, Sumail, how do you feel? And he goes, I, I don't know, good? And then, like, okay, dude, like... 
that's fine and you might, I think he's probably shy and um maybe uh, you know it, it's in shock a little bit but misery has like there's just like so much energy and like his eyes and the things that he's saying he's so like emotional and human about the things that he says and I am a fan of that and I'm a fan of Fly because he exhibits that same like real emotional and yet also rational humanism in like the interviews that he does and also sometimes in the drafts that he does <laughs> drafting around his teammates is like really cool to me um yeah. so yeah I'm a I'm a fan of I'm a fan of OG and I I will be wherever as long as pretty much as long as Fly and Hotel stay together but I am upset about their disbanding I guess, like, so getting into the shit, right? Let's is, get into the shit. Is that OG is 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 still going to be a team? They're still going to have some people. They have lost Moon Meander, who was kicked. They have lost Crit, who left, and they lost Miracle, who left. Mm-hmm. Um, and and looking at what they what they said, it's. I haven't seen what they said, but I've seen what Fly, um, what Fly said. Well, okay. What what have you heard? It, Fly essentially said on this little press release for OG, um, Fly stated that Moon was kicked from the team or asked to leave the team because his personality, um, which I don't. Moon generally kind of comes off as a bit of a troll, but also as a nicer guy, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can see maybe that he might be difficult to work with. I don't really know Fly and No-Tell as a duo kind of seem like... I don't know. They're hard, especially. I think. I think individually, Fly and, and Notel have their own easily discernible um, personalities. But as a duo, it's hard for me to imagine them. They they seem like they're they would really be in lockstep as how they'd want to run a team. Yeah, it, yeah, and it seems like they don't want to take a lot of shit. So that that like you know that might make you think that maybe Moon is difficult to work with. But I like Moon so goddamn much and it's hard for me to imagine that so that's that's where i land on that is like okay maybe like i don't want to sit here and imagine what moon is like to play with on a professional dota 2 team but at the same time as someone who trusts fly's judgment and i really also like no tell like maybe he is i don't know i don't i'm at the point where I am ready to root for OG and DC now that Moon Meander is on that team. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, Moon was picked up by DC, who kicked. They kicked Moo to yeah. make space for Moon. They wanted that um, in. They needed that in in there. And and Moon. So okay, there is a big interview that Moon d- did. Moon Meander did with a guy named Epi who works for uh, a fucking Suns fans thing, I think. Um, Fucking, I don't know. Um, but anyway, he's he interviewed Moon Meander, and Moon Meander. It was it's a really good interview. It was basically it was the day of the announcement, um, and Moon was pretty st- stressed out because shit was happening. 
Yeah. So like you don't like just say, going into it. Don't take anything Moon says too. Not like don't take it too seriously, but just realize that it's at a time where he was he was going through a lot of emotional stuff. So like I don't. It's not like he's lying, but like maybe he'll come across as a little more upset than he will be once he settles down a bit. Yeah. If, uh, um. I watched this. This is a, kind of an aside, so we'll come back to that in like a second. But I did watch mm-hmm. like. Um, Moon Meander's Twitch stream, which I kind of knew he was going to get kicked when he started Twitch streaming again. I think that was a logical just, like thing to jump to because mm-hmm. he's not on Hitbox. Um, but he got really emotional at the end. Like he finished a game and then kind of like just started talking about mem- his OG memories. Um, and he played this video this like slideshow picture montage of like this is og on the train this is og at a steakhouse in um in frankfurt this is like og when we won our first major and at the end of it he was like he kind of is one of those people who has that perpetual smile Mm -hmm. um and Twitch chat is also a little cancerous, so he finished that video, like presenting that video to his, what essentially should be his fans, and then of course Twitch chat is just like, oh Moon Neutral, like GG Moon, whatever. I don't fucking I don't care for Twitch chat very much, but he was like, fuck you guys, I'm serious, and like I'm not laughing fuck you guys and then just turned off the stream and I'm like whoa yeah damn and so in this interview he's he's talking about sort of how OG's been lately and it's it seems like so according to him like he and, and no tail have been having some some clashes based on just the sort of their their view of what the team should be mm-hmm. um and that sort of was leading to some some bad stuff but also just like he says, you know, there's some TI6 nerves going on. Um, but, like, he says some stuff about them not, like, just not being ready for TI, right? Like, he says, like, like, oh, we were all, like, we didn't have any good strategies because we'd been playing too much Overwatch. Like, didn't it, can, if we can talk about that for a minute, didn't it seem like it wasn't really, I think in the, in the group stage they played, like, OG. Mm-hmm. And they won because of that. But in the main stage, I feel like they played super conservative with their picks, and I, f- I love Fly, but and I kind of spoke earlier to like him drafting to people's personalities, mm-hmm. and I don't. I feel like they just went stuck with the standard shit in the main stage, and then it cost them because it's predictable. No, I mean like when he says it, like you know, there's 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 a part of you that wants to go. Like, oh, he's just making excuses, right? Mm-hmm. But like, no, that really jives. Like, as as you say, they weren't playing like themselves on the main stage, and yeah. like they just weren't as, playing. They just weren't being creative, in my opinion. They weren't they being weren't. like weird and OG ish. And their coordination was a little bit off, you yeah. know, which is sort of one of their one of their trademarks. And like, yeah, I don't know, um, Moon. You know, ha- has some like he has some harsh words about how the how the kick went down, which frankly I don't I don't really want to get into that much. 
um, just because it starts to turn into some he said, she said, which is not amazing. Um, but, like, it seems like Crit was going to leave anyway. Because yeah. Crit had a better, like, Crit, Crit had a team lined up. And, in his, so, in the um, press release from Fly, he mentioned that uh, Miracle and Crit, but specifically Crit, uh, left because they felt like they could grow somewhere else. Yeah. And yeah. it is both of their, like, it is their first year playing at the top level of Dota, is what he said. And and he's, I think he said, like, I'm not going to blame them for trying to, um, like, grow or uh, expand their horizons a bit, which, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can respect that. It just kind of bums me out. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's like, I mean, like, Crit, you know, wanted to go somewhere else to, to grow. And so at that point, Fly, maybe Fly and No Tail, I don't know, but definitely Fly was like, well, shit, if we're shuffling up the team anyway, I think we can do better than Moon, right? Because mm-hmm. of, of the problems we've been having. And then Miracle, again, according to this inter- interview, Miracle was like, this isn't really the team I signed up for anymore. Like, I thought... I thought we were all here because we wanted to pull together and we were buds and this doesn't feel right. And I'm leaving. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of, that's the story that, that he tells about that. Um, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a moment in this interview where it's, it's a very in the moment, like quote, but he like, he's talking about the kick and he's talking about like, you know, like it's, uh, so here's the quote. Uh, it's all business at the end of the day. At least I know now that whatever team I join, I won't put my emotions into it. I won't fall into that trap again. This friendship thing is all bullshit. A facade. I guess Who I said was that? the whole thing. Moon meander. No, I guess I was, I, I was just lying to myself with this whole friendship rainbow thing at the end of the day. Money talks like, Feeling pretty betrayed, obviously. Maybe that's, maybe that's just like the post kick. I, I think that's, but, I think that's a bit of it. That's but why there I, is. That's why I had, like that's why I liked OG so much. Yeah, and, and I, I think mean, that's like, why they did well. I think that's like, I don't, I, I, do I disagree too. with that entirely. I think I that don't. You're playing with two 19 year old kids, like, let. I don't. I don't think you can have like the highest um, expectations for them wanting to stay with a team that didn't place like even top ten at TI. Like, I'm not. Tr- I'm not trying to sit here and say and give Moon Meander tips on how to play professional Dota because I don't know how to do that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, it really for a while felt like OG was winning a lot because they're because of the exact opposite of if Moon Meander said that. Like of that, you know what I'm saying? They were mm-hmm. they were winning because they did have that friendship level, and that's why fucking Alliance does so. Alliance made it further than them, and like Loda and Aka are like best friends forever, like high school buddies. Fly and, and no Loda tell is her. terrible. Listen, guys, I'm sure he was great once. Loda sucks now. Alliance right. still did great because they've got that unspoken trust. I guess so. I don't know. We got a little bit off topic there, Colin. Sorry. I just listen. Lotus sucks. All right. <laughs> this is important. Title of the episode: Lotus sucks. Um, I saw this clip of him complaining about fountain hook, like Navi's fountain hooks in 
um, whichever TI that was, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it, he was just kind of whining about it and whatever. <laughs> I don't whatever. I really love, um, I I really like S four and I love Aka and I think Aka is like, I don't know, he's one of those players who I watch, at for like, um, to learn how to play support better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, like, I think with this whole, like, this sort of goes into a thing. Like, I told my friend um, that, that Moo was being kicked for DC, right? A friend of mine who doesn't play very much Dota and doesn't pay a lot of attention to the scene. And they were like, oh, that's weird. I figured because they, they went so far in TI, the team wouldn't change. And, like, I had to, I had to suppress a laugh. It's like, that's just not how Dota works. Um... And that's because, I mean, like, if you looked at, let's, the the comparison, I, the metaphor I used for them to explain this to them was, okay, take baseball. Imagine if all player trades were decided by players in baseball and there were no restrictions. Teams would be exploding all the damn time. Okay, I agree. However, do you think it would be healthier if they were contractually obligated to play for the same team for however many number of years i think probably shorter contracts but i think like to a certain extent yeah i mean like you know trades still happen regardless of the contract right as long as the manager goes decides it's okay and all that right like it's not like you sign the contract and nothing can break you like even death cannot stop you um (laughs) even so that it's also interesting to recognize that dota teams are only five people that's true and I, I think at some point that will change, but we're a long way from that. Really? Like, what do you mean? Hold up. I mean, I mean, I think we're gonna get to a point where, like, I mean, we have subs, right? That's a concept, but we don't really use them very much. We lose we use them when someone can't get a visa. Yeah. I think that won't always be the case. I think there'll be a time that comes where you're like, oh shit, we're playing against Alliance. Loda, or not Loda, Loda's on Alliance. Okay, different theoretical. Like, Arteezy, tag out. We're bringing in Envy for this one, or whatever. I think there'll be a point where you have a small bench and you swap players out for specific matches. I think eventually we'll get to that point. Can I, I respectfully disagree? That's fair. And, like, I, I, think, I think that's a logical progression, but that's also, like, a level of... That's the problem, is that it's a logical progression. And that's not how the Dota scene works. It's way too emotional for that. Fair enough. There's so many, like, because all these decisions are being made, as you say, by, like, teenagers. Yeah. And I think, like, I think for the health of the sport, that needs to be not the case. But also, like, I mean, okay. I know Emily agrees with me that it is kind of upsetting how these great teams explode after one bad tournament, right? But are we representative of the community at large? Like, do you think it's a bummer that OG is exploding because they lost TI? Do I think it's a bummer? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that they? Do you think that it's a bummer, but you know, inevitable, or do you think it's a bummer and they should have maybe been a little more mature, mature and tried to work out their differences? Um. I almost. I know this is kind of a cop out, but. I don't know, like, I just feel like that's not my place 
to decide. I don't know. It just seems like if I th- if I think about some shit like that for too long, I'm just gonna get a headache over some shit that I don't have control over. That's fair. That's fair. But I just I feel like this. Like I mean, in this specific instance, I totally think it's it's absolutely fair to be like, dude, I don't know. I don't know their situation, right? Yeah. But we see trends in this in this community. This happens over and over, where these teams get together and maybe they're winning for a while, and then one doesn't go so well, and they explode. Or, like, I mean, sometimes they don't even do badly, right? Like, Team Secret 2.0 won a tournament, and Puppy was like, great, let's kick some people. It's like, what? What are you doing? I don't know. Um, I don't fucking tell. And I, I feel like the players, like, I feel like the players are in a situation where they are too close, right? The players are... Like, you don't get to be a Dota 2 professional player without being, like, a really driven, really competitive, love-to-win person. Yeah. And when you are in that position, fucking, you're going to do whatever it takes to have the slightest advantage. And that kind of perspective, plus being in the shit, distorts your perspective. You need someone who is a manager or a manager-like position who is one step removed, can see a little more long-term, can see the whole board, and say, I can see why like you're unhappy with how things are right now, and I can see why you think a chain need- needs to be made. Calm down. We can work this out without blowing everything up. I think probably those people already exist in maybe like, well, in kind of a behind-the-scenes capacity. Mm-hmm. I think that's true, but I think the point, like the the thing is, like they're advisors; they don't make the calls. Yeah, and like really, you think like so DC kicking mood? Do you think that was misery, or do you think that was Suns fan? I I fucking I I think it was misery, um, because I don't think Suns fan makes any decisions related to that team. I don't listen. Let's let's not talk about how I feel about Suns fan, um, but like I mean, definitely it's the case at least with some other teams, right? Like when when Owie was kicked from Eternal Envy back on Cloud Nine, like that's a hundred percent confirmed to be a thing that Eternal Envy just decided. Yeah, he didn't talk to anyone about it. He was like, no, he's gone, and he was gone. And Cloud Nine's a big organization. Yeah, they're across a lot of games. Yeah, they're. So, like, I mean, part of me says, if that's how it works for Cloud9, that's probably a pretty good indication as to how it works for other teams. I don't know. It's it's a weird season to be in. (laughs) It is. It definitely is. Let's move on to happier notes. Okay. Underlord is out. Hooray. Have you played any Underlord? I have not. You can teach me all about him. (laughs) He's fun. Colin, Uh, I'm here to talk about MMR and nothing else. So, here is my official recommendation. W-E, build, like W first level, E second level, get an Orb of Venom, be a pain in the ass. It's so fun. Play him like... Like an ogre or something? An ogre or an undying, or sort of like like just the harasser. Um... Actually, me and me and Emily for fun ran a, uh, a Overlord Undying lane, off yeah. lane. That fucking works. That works real well. Yeah. It's messed up. Like he's he's fun, and I wonder. I don't know. So like, 
He's got a form of CC. He's got some like some spam or some magical damage. He's got his aura, which is really you know like reduces physical damage for all enemies and also makes him gain damage as things die. And then he's got his ult, which is you know the AOE boots of travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the biggest problem with him is the ult because it kind of is is. There are two problems. One, it has three ranks, right? And the what the ranks do is they change the the like the cast time from five seconds to four to three. And you just hit the button, and then it's not channeled. You start the cast, and then you can move around and do whatever. Yeah. Don't ever get rank three. What? Don't ever get rank three, because. At rank two, it's a four-second cast. If you go, like, let's say your carry is dying, right? Mm -hmm. They're off somewhere getting killed. If you start your Dark Rift to their location and then immediately start a TP home, you can teleport on top of them, and then as soon as your teleport finishes, teleport back with them. Nice. Nice. So you can you can basically do IOs relocate, only you don't have to come back afterwards, and also your other abilities are mostly better than IOs. That sounds that's some shit that I just haven't seen in my games. I don't know. I feel like I, I honestly, since Underlord came out, I haven't really played that much. Um, but that sounds super cool, and I really like. I don't know. I really like the the possibility space around him. Like that, I am too scared to try and just run him in a rank game but i am excited to see how people will use that ult use and abuse that ult especially in the pro scene don't mm-hmm. don't you wish the og was together just so we could see crit play some underlord with that team that would be pretty that would be pretty awesome <sighs> i uh when i was testing him out i was playing some bot matches with him just to learn his moves. Yeah. And repeatedly, like, I would ping, like, you know, like, push mid, and the bots would be like, well, we're pushing bottom, fuck you. And I would be like, no, Stupid you're not, bots. and I would kidnap them and take the mid. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't know. It's... I think the... the With the current meta of, like, coordination and team play and sort of unspoken trust, Underlord really fits in very nicely. And he's he's, like... Nice, because I think the meta's in yeah. a good place. So if he fits in with that, we could. Yeah, I I think I think he's going to be an exciting addition to that. Um, I don't know. I guess the only thing I have left on on record is is lore of the week. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, man. Well, actually, yeah, there is. I wanted to talk to the Dota community a little bit, if I could, about some shit that I'm like kind of passionate about and it kind of starts at ti um during the grand finals so you know how the the format kind of worked where there was the panel um and then there was the people who did the draft and then there was the casters Mm -hmm. the people who analyzed the draft were kind of sitting out on the main stage and then they had the fucking real life twitch chat meme lords behind them with the stupid signs holding them up Yep. And and this one guy had a sign um, that said U.S. servers for English speakers only, and then hashtag Taco Taco Burrito, 
and then another one that said like uh, let's build a firewall or something like that and that like more than anything I kind of had this conflicting not really conflicting but this moment where like I felt kind of ashamed of the Dota 2 community that we could have someone who could be that exclusive totally. um, like we're we're fucking we have people who flew around the world to enjoy this game with you like not you specifically but you if especially if you place yourself on the screen you are a representation of this community and while I recognize that like playing a solo ranked game and having like being with somebody who only speaks Spanish is incredibly frustrating and like that is it's something that is difficult to work around but you can learn a little bit of cursory Spanish you're learning fucking 112 heroes with unique abilities and you are learning the combinations of those heroes and those abilities with the other 111 heroes both on your team and the other team and you can't like you don't even need to speak Spanish dog you can just understand like the basic shit like I don't know it's just so frustrating that that's that that's what people are worried about and then that that shit can thrive to the point where it's just on camera and no one does anything about actually uh the event coordinators did something about it. I was literally on my way down to the lower level to take that sign I was going to wait till it wasn't on screen and I was going to take it away from him but um the event the event people took it away from him which is not nice. for them yeah i like i mean and the other thing like also i mean okay look i have played with some players who were like peruvian or mexican or you know like i've played with players who were not from the united states and didn't speak english and were who were terrible players right yeah there are yeah exactly and there I... are terrible players everywhere i played with some people from peru terrible people yeah that too but like I played with some people from Peru who were fantastic and who didn't speak a lick of English and we had no trouble communicating because guess what? You've got a customizable language translated commands wheel. You can ping and you can draw on the map and that's for like, real, man. often like, in a pub. That's plenty. Yeah. Just use the tools you have. It's not a problem. Dog, we're 3K. Just ping and use a chat wheel. That's like you don't have to flame people for minute one just because they're like just because they're speaking Spanish and their icon is a stupid mirror selfie, you know, which happens a lot. Yeah. Like, but whatever, just, I don't know. So I, I kind of had this moment of a little bit of shame for the community, but also I realized that if I am capable of this shame and I like feel strongly enough to want to do something about it, and what, whether it be go down there and take the sign from him or at least mention it on this podcast that that is something that bothers me, then I really think that, like, I like being in this community and I want to see it get better. So totally. There's my totally. this has definitely been like the most one of the most feelings, feelings filled bottle crow episode. And there is my like end cap to all these feelings is that. Like, just make shit work. Make shit yeah. work on your fucking team. Like, find a way. One of my best friends... This is, a, like, a little bit... This is a step too far. Well, not too far, but... 
I don't know. Well, there's a, there's a couple guys who I play with frequently who um, speak very little English, and I speak very little Spanish, but we still make it work, and we still have like an 80% win rate together. So <laughs> take that. Yeah, that's awesome. I uh, Yeah. I, I feel like I've seen less of it in the last, I don't know, last number of months, less, less like, you know, when I first started, I saw so much, you know, so many people blaming Peruvian shits for their losses. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. You like just knock it off. It's not a good look that racism is never a good look. I don't know. I it's, it's, it's not only is it not a good look, but you're not going to win any games like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're just tilting yourself. You're going to play worse. Yeah. And the rest of the team, because now those people are the people who are, are not in the altercation or like the argument between people now see themselves as playing on a team with two people who are flaming each other. And that Mm -hmm. is like, we have all been also in that situation and that is also shitty. And that makes other people like that makes you not focused on the game, which is, yeah. Or even if you're focused on the game, you're focused on like, boy, I got to do my best because I can't fucking trust our mid. He's a racist piece of garbage. Yeah. Moral of the story is just make it work. Well, on this episode about feelings, we're going to talk our lore of the week about one of the kings of feelings. Clockwork. Born in Canada. Nope. Jackie Mao, a.k.a. Eternal Envy, was born July 2nd, 1991. He is 25 years old. Dog, is this some Eternal Envy lore? Yes, it is. Oh, I wish. I really don't like this dude, so I'm going to restrain myself and then let it all out at the end. Well, maybe, maybe you're going to learn some respect because uh, Eternal Envy started his career as a solo mid for Team DWI. That's Deal With It on Heroes of New Earth, where they were the second-ranked team for a long time. They were eventually acquired by Complexity, and then he moved to Dota. When he moved to Dota, he started a new team called No Tide Hunter. So crazy. This is the craziest twist. I actually know this twist. No Tide Hunter, for those of you who are not aware, who ha- who didn't just go, oh shit, or who didn't already know this, eventually becomes Alliance. Yeah. Eternal Envy started Alliance. Weirdest story. So No Tide Hunter did okay for a while. They were doing they were in fact they were doing pretty well. And then uh Basically, like, the roster shuffle-up happened, and eventually he left, and he ch- went through Kaipi, he went through Kaipi, he went through a couple of other teams, and eventually ended up on Cloud9. Um, he was captain of Cloud9 for a while, he was one of the, the top carries in the world at that time, and then that all went to shit, and he went to Team Secret, and uh, that's where he is now, but Jackie Mao has been through... Heroes of New Earth, he's been a mid, he's been a safe lane carry, he's been a support, he's been a captain, he's been super not a captain. He's got a more storied history than you might realize, and I don't know, he, he's, a, he's a person we talk about too much on this show, but... He's an interesting character. But I actually... I want to I want to close related to Eternal Envy with a last quote from Moon's interview. Do it. So this was sort of his his closing words. As for the community, please don't fl- flame the players for giving good interviews. And he says specifically Swindle Melons when he streams or gives good interviews. You guys flame him. You guys quote him on his interviews, and he doesn't want to do interviews ever again after that. 
You can flame me or quote me all you want. I really don't care. I have a really thick skin. But when other pros try to give good interviews, like Artizi said that Kuro thing and everyone starts quoting him left and right and it becomes a whole meme, how do you think the pro feels? Do you think he's going to give another interview again when the whole community is shitting on him like that? Of course not. So please be more mindful of what you say. Thank you. And in the spirit of that, like, we talk a lot of shit about Eternal Envy on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that it's known that, one, I really like Eternal Envy. And I mean it in, in good fun. And if it's gone across the line at some point, I apologize. And I want to extend that to basically every player. Because I'm super grateful for the Dota 2 community. I'm a, a, like the amazing teams, the phenomenal players and the stuff they've given us. And I think it's it's important sometimes to stop for a second and say, look, we respect these guys as people. We're grateful for everything they've given us. And sometimes we give them a little shit. And if we go too far, we're sorry. But we're really grateful for all that shit, you know? Yeah. Let me just say, yo, Jackie hit me up. Look, get Jackie on this podcast. Oh, man. That'd he would the... say no, but... <laughs> That'd be fun. I I will say about Eternal Envy that he's a person who, like I kind of mentioned earlier, that I like people who like Misery or Fly who have like their real distinct personality, um, and they and it shows. And maybe I like Eternal Envy's personality is definitely weird and different, but I really respect his constant. Um, criticism of himself and Mm -hmm. it's and and when i say that i'm not saying that he's harsh about himself but a lot of his tweets are just um really his his thoughts about um how he played and and how different games went and his reaction to wings um winning was he had a picture of uh, previous ti and faith beyond um, had asked him for a picture together, and he was just so humbled by that. And I, I really respect that reaction yeah. from him. It was yeah, really he cool. he doesn't think he's hot shit. He you know he thinks he's skilled because he is. Yeah. But Eternal Envy is is not a guy who doesn't have a little humility in him, and it's yeah, he's it's a, very he's, refreshing. Yeah, he's a humble guy. Anyway, I think that's that's all we got time for on this episode of Bottle Crow. Cool. Thanks. Oh, guys, hmm? just say cool. Oh, but okay. I said it. But I said it like cool. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Jesse. We got to have yeah, you back. I would love to be back whenever you guys want to have me. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, I know I you didn't get to hear it because you don't get to hear it while recording with me. But our our lovely guest at home got to hear the wonderful musical stylings of Reddit user Pomodi and his harmonies of New Bloom Music Pack. You can buy that in game in Dota too. It's great. You probably should. They don't. He doesn't pay us for this. It's just he lets us use it, and I'm really grateful. It's great music. Uh, and if you want to support the podcast, you can go to scanlinemedia.com, where I and another friend of mine do some video games criticism and reviews and other podcasts. Or you can go to patreon.com slash scanlinemedia, and if you want to chip in, you can help us you know, get new equipment and stuff. We've got a, we just bought Emily a new microphone. Um, and also... We're on iTunes, and you can give us ratings or reviews there. We're not rated. We have we have enough viewers that we should have a rating on iTunes, but people just aren't rating us, and I get it. I'm doing it right now, Colin, actually. Thank you. Thank you. And if, if you, dear listeners, wanted to do it as well, that'd be rad. I'd really appreciate it. I'm going to go on and 
be Coach Z and say great GRB. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, Jesse. I think I think we're done here. Yeah, thanks, guys. We'll see you around. Bye.